it's been way too long and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed by Hey guys. Here this week for Top Fives and Deep Dives. Welcome. Welcome. This week we are going to be deep diving into the one and only Halloween franchise. You know, we're a few weeks post Halloween in October, but some of us like to watch our horror year round. And this is for all of you. So, yeah, we're doing Halloween this week. That's that's me. I'm the person that likes to watch horror year round. I still haven't given up since Halloween, since October. <laughs> you I never won't give stop. up. I never give up. Halloween's my favorite holiday, and I'm glad that there's a franchise specifically named after it. Though, as we'll get into, I feel like they could have, you know, they could have done a better job with some of these movies. Can we can we just say that this guy this guy is just wrong about a couple things right now? He. First of all, thinks Halloween's the best holiday. That would be Christmas. Thank you very much. Um, can't wait to argue more about this, as our next episode is going to be a Christmas episode. Um, spoiler! Spoiler alert! But yeah, let us know first of all: Are you a Christmas or a Halloween person? And then, I guess you know what you're not totally wrong about some of the Halloween films being crap, but. There's some fucking gems in there, and Michael Myers is the greatest villain in horror film history. If you ask, God, you're me. just coming out swinging here with these hot takes. Boom! Unbelievable. Okay. Boom! Bada boom! So, dude, do you want to tell us what the format's going to be today? Yeah. So, our, I would say our goal for this is to go through all eleven films, um, depending on when you're listening to this. Maybe this, the 12th has come out. Maybe the 13th. But at the moment, there is 11. We are going to go through them in some level of detail, but also make it a not reasonable, uh, not unreasonable length for you to listen to. One-stop shop, all 11 films, not a million hours long. I think that's our goal. So we'll go through each one, You know, talk about kind of the major players, uh, the different sort of different events that happen, uh, different evolutions that each each movie takes as there's quite a few turns in here. Uh, and then we will give our favorite uh, deaths, kills, deaths. I don't know what you want to call that, but our favorite Michael slayings. Yes, I like that. And then uh, we'll give our top five films of the 11 and probably shout out a few that are Quite bad, and there's a few choices for that category as well. Yeah, I'm like, I could probably do my top five worst also. I think, yeah, well, we'll have to talk about it. I'm not sure that you <laughs> and I agree about which ones are terrible, but we'll have to see. Without really talking to you too much about it, I don't, no, I, I don't think we do. Maybe we will, maybe we will, but I think there's definitely a couple we disagree on. And I have a, a complicated relationship with the 80s slashers franchises in general 
you know, the big three franchises. I love I love slasher movies. I love 80 slasher movies. I love most horror movies, but there is something about these that that drives me a bit nuts. So Well, this is going to be a very interesting chat you and I have then. I'm excited. And- I I probably only seen about half of these, so it was good to go back and watch all of them and really experience everything that Michael Myers has to offer. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be completely honest. I'd only seen probably about half of them as well, which surprised me for someone that loves Michael Myers so much. I you know, over the years I've watched a few of these so many times. I was like, holy shit! I'd never seen, I'd never seen three, four, five, or six. So, definitely never had seen the Rob Zombie ones either. So it's it was uh, it was quite the trip. Also, just to get this out of my system. Big shout out, Mike Myers, Austin Powers. Really unfortunate that this happened. <laughs> you're the man. Hey, we love both. I love both Mike Myers. You know, See give, your me Halloween Michael, give me Mike. That is my favorite Halloween costume. If you guys checked our recent Instagram post, that's actually quite fitting. That's quite fitting. My Our most recent Instagram post was me and uh, Zach, you know, Zach who wrote the epic intro song you guys just heard back in 2008, Halloween. I was dressed up as Austin Powers. Was I foreshadowing this episode? Maybe. 100% intentional. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, by the way, hey, before we go in, last week I promised everyone that I'd tell you Zach's TikTok handle. It is indeed just real Topeka people, the name of the band. So catch them on there. The intro's epic. Um, anywho, is it time to dive in? I think it's time. All right. The very first. Where it all started. Halloween. 1978. Created by the one and only John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Um, and I mean, this first movie, man, this is where it all this is where it all started. This is where Michael Myers and, and really the, the slasher genre, at least this is where it became famous. Start of the golden age. Yeah. And it was, you know, the, the beginning of Jamie Lee Curtis. We had Donald Pleasance in there as Dr. Loomis. And John Carpenter made the score himself. Not like he was someone that really was scoring films, but he ended up making one of the most iconic horror scores of all time. Um, And he scored the first three films, by the way. And then also the latest film, which were also the three that he, the, the four that he's been involved in. He only directed the first one. Um, but yeah, October 25th, 1978. That's the night he came home. Mr. Michael Myers. Mike, you want to tell us some, some stuff about this? Yeah. So, uh, Halloween, I think most people kind of know the story, but here's, here's a quick, Quick recap. Starts with a six-year-old Michael Myers who inexplicably murders his sister, uh, is taken to a sanitarium 
15 years later, breaks out, goes back to the town that he is from, uh, and starts a stalking slash murder spree, murder spree um, in Haddonfield, Illinois. That's a town. It's a fictional town. Big shout out to Illinois, though. Uh, and so, yeah, he starts stalking uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, uh, whose name is Lori Strode. Um, yeah, and basically he, you know, is stalking for a long time. Then he starts killing off kind of all of her friends. Uh, eventually he gets into this this epic battle with, with Lori. Um, luckily she has uh, some help from a, a doctor, Dr. Loomis, played by Donald Pleasance, who is Michael's doctor and has kind of been hunting him since he escaped. And he sort of comes to the rescue at the end shoots Michael six times. Michael falls off of a balcony, uh, presumed dead until Loomis looks over the balcony and he's he's not there. And we're, we're left wondering, you know, did he survive? Did he not survive? Spoiler, there's 11 films. You probably know by now. <laughs> he actually survived. Um, but that's, I mean, that's kind of the basics of the original Halloween there's so much more that we could say about it, but I mean, Justin, the the, the first Halloween. What yeah. are your thoughts? What are my thoughts? I mean, this. My thoughts are that it's the greatest horror film ever made, and it just, it is everything to me that I love about horror, wrapped up in one film. It's got an incredible villain in Michael. I mean, I, I think. That mask, I mean, it's it's to me the scariest thing. Like, there's there's things in films maybe that are – they're scarier films. It's not necessarily the scariest film ever, but Michael to me is one of the most haunting villains ever. And, I mean, it's crazy that that mask was literally just a William Shatner Halloween mask that they bought for one $1.98, and then they – tweaked it to make it into Michael's mask. But first Halloween, man, I mean, you, John Carpenter, that that's one thing. None of the other films have the suspense of the first film, the way that he shoots the movie. Every scene is deliberate in how it's sort of this voyeuristic look where you either, it's either being filmed almost from his point of view, watching people, or it's, these long shots of characters walking or doing something where then eventually you'll see Michael get into the frame and you'll hear that music. And it's just incredible. I mean, there's not a, there's not a kill until almost an hour into the film. And it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's funny because compared to all the other Halloweens, there's not really that big of a death toll especially on screen. And it's the most effective to me in terms of suspense and horror because it's just such a fucking buildup and the music gets me every single scene when the piano starts. And it's like, man, it's it's something. And, and I always thought something I love about this movie is that I, I love the fact in this one 
that he just comes after Lori essentially because, you know, he saw her uh, come up to his old house. And I think this sort of idea of him as the boogeyman as him as this evil entity that just has, you know, pretty much nothing in his heart or soul and just wants to kill. To me, that's a lot scarier than sort of where they take it with a lot of these sequels where, you know, spoiler alert, we'll get into it. But in the second one at the end, it's revealed that Lori's actually his sister that was given away for adoption at birth. And that become that's rolls through all the way up until the newest one, where they just totally cut that out. And I think it's a lot scarier with this premise that she's not related to him. So yeah, man, I love it. I think it's, it's so fucking good. I could go on and on. Let's hear something. What do you, what do you have to say? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely love it too. It's you've talked about sort of the suspense. It's, it's just so, dense with like the stalking that goes on i mean basically behind somebody or like around the corner michael is there in his mask like all the time and like you said there's not a kill for a while but like he's literally constantly stalking this girl and her friends and like you're just waiting for that payoff and waiting and waiting it's such a it's such a smart movie to be able to be made you know, basically independently on such a small budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a real sort of pioneer not in, in all kind of independent film, never mind just horror and obviously slashers where it's, it's really the best one sort of ever done. I mean, it's only really the second major movie to do kind of that POV thing. Uh, it, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's just so, it's just so tight, you know, it's, and it doesn't, doesn't add anything extra. Like you said, it doesn't add any, um, you know, explanation for why this is going on. Mm-hmm. You know, Loomis is there to basically explain the entire, you know, he's frequently coming in here and saying he's not a man, he's inhuman, you know, just trying to get this idea that he is, he's literally just evil incarnate and he's just doing this just because no, no explanation needed, you know, even, even when uh, he kills his sister, you know, in the very beginning, it's, there's nothing. It's just like, He's six years old and boom, he just kills his sister. You know, we, mm-hmm. we're led to believe that he's sort of, you know, I guess frustrated that, that she's having sex with some guy instead of sort of babysitting him. But it's it's a very loose, obviously that wouldn't trigger most people to just murder their sister. So it's it's a very loose explanation and it just goes from there. Mm-hmm. But at and... the same time, no, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go for it. I was going to say at the same time, what's brilliant about this film for me compared to some other films is there is um, there's a real ability for John Carpenter to develop some of the other characters without really spending that much time. Like for me, this may sound like sacrilege, but for me, Annie, her friend that's played by Nancy Loomis is by far my favorite character in her limited screen time. She just, plays as such a like a real like jumping off the page a 3d character who sadly doesn't make it but like she just is one of the few people that you actually care about outside of you know the main sort of villain and and you know final girl uh as as the series plays out Mm -hmm. no i totally i totally agree i mean you actually 
somewhat care about other characters and again because it is so limited in its scope you really do only focus on a handful of characters and you like you said through very little time actually get to know them quite well and sort of the type of people they each are but oh man with the stuff with Annie is unbelievable. Just all of the build up to when she does get killed. Yeah. Insane. Um, and she's great. She just plays as such a real person, you know, like you feel like you really get to know her in such a limited time. Yeah, you really do. And, uh, and the, the kids they babysit are great too. Tommy and Lindsay, I feel like really come out as characters as well. Definitely. Definitely. And it's it's just so well done all around. Also, can we just say how through all the films, starting with this one, how ridiculous Donald Pleasance is? uh, There is a few where he's better than others. And this is one that I think he's good. But as you come to know him, there's a few performances out there that are just so crazy and over the top. It is unbelievable. And, And I really, really dislike where he goes sort of by the end of his his narrative sam sam um but he's great in this in all his ridiculous glory and yeah i just again a special i got a shout out just how incredible the the actual camera work and the the style of filming is in this like certain scenes like that scene where michael steps out from like behind the hedges and then steps back like incredible just like all the scenes like where the girls are that that scene where the girls are walking forever and it's sort of in this big wide shot where you're like trying to see is Michael in this somewhere and like when he's standing down near the clothesline there's just so many this this is such a great film um and also if we didn't say it already you know Michael Myers he's also referred to as the shape that's sort of his like other name but um yeah, I I will say one cool thing is that this this some of this was actually shot just a few blocks from where I live on Orange Grove Ave in Los Angeles, West Hollywood area. Um the two houses where sort of the end of the film take place, Tommy's house and um the other house across the street, literally just a few blocks away from me. So that's creepy. Yeah, that should definitely help you sleep at night. Yeah, totally. Um, also again, we, there's just a few fun facts for the first one. Other than that, you know, it's, it is, there's not really, we're not going to shout that many out throughout this whole thing, but I just got to say Lori Strode, that's the name of one of John Carpenter's ex-girlfriends and Jamie Lee Curtis was only cast as Lori because her mother is Janet Lee, who is the actress from Psycho and John Carpenter thought it was a good PR move. Little did he know Jamie Lee Curtis was about to blow up and be one of the bigger actresses of the next, like, 30 years. But she never gives up on Halloween. She just keeps coming back. Oh. Well, we lost her for some time, but we got her back. We got her back, and now she's back. Um, Yo, one other thing that I'm just going to say now, and we can touch back on this throughout the podcast, but I do want to say which films... So, so with with the Halloween films, it gets a little confusing. Certain plot lines are abandoned at times. 
So I'm just going to say right now, there's 11 films out currently. Of those 11, 9 and 10 are completely removed from the series. They are Rob Zombie remakes of 1 and 2 in his own style. Then you have number 3, Season of the Witch, which is the only one that does not feature Michael Myers. It's completely separate. Um, And then plot-wise, the Halloween 1, 2... Well, four, five, and six follow one and two. Then H2O and Resurrection disregard four to six and just follow one and two. Then the latest Halloween that came out in 2018 only follows the plot of number one. So if that was a mouthful. Just being called Halloween again. Exactly. And that one is going to have two more. It's going to be a trilogy. There's going to be Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. We'll talk about that later. But yeah, and we will we'll explain that again as we get to each movie, just so that it's clear what's going on, because it is, you know, they say you can't put toothpaste back in the tube. Halloween says, no, you can. <laughs> and you know what? I think it worked, but we'll talk. We'll, we'll discuss that later. Um, I think I'm done pretty much with one. Do you have anything else you want to say about it? The only thing I want to say quickly is. You know, this movie and slashers in general, they often get all kind of looped in together and criticized as kind of misogynistic or like, you know, there's rules about having sex in a horror movie because then you're going to get killed and there's a statement that you're making there. That may be true about many other slasher movies. John Carpenter has confirmed this movie is about nothing. It's literally about nothing. It's just evil killing people. End of story. Which, again, is what makes it so effective. Totally. It's it's what makes it scarier, to me at least, than a, Fre- than a Freddy or a Jason or anything. It really is grounded in reality to the extent of, okay, this could happen. There could be a kid that's just mentally fucked, kills his sister, goes to an insane asylum, breaks out and kills a bunch of people. It's not out of the realm of possibility in in the living world. Okay, I want to stick a pin in what you just said because I'm going to quote it when I bash a bunch of these movies later. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, well, with that said, let's get to Halloween 2. So it came out three years later in 1981, and it picks up the exact moment that one ends. So Loomis looks out. Michael's gone. It's still Halloween night. Um, and Car- John Carpenter still wrote this one with Deborah Hill. He didn't direct it. Um, but yeah, directly picks up. And Mike, I'll, I'll let you give the summary. But it's I just want to preface with saying this one's a lot different than one it sort of abandons the suspense of one and just goes full slasher and it's just kill 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 but go into it mike yeah and i mean you've already alluded to it but this is going to be a continued a continued thing that happens which is a bit strange for you know the first one is so successful and then there's just basically new directors new styles shuffling in and out no one can agree on the scripts, and it leads to kind of the confusion that we'll get into um, as the series goes ahead. 
So also, uh, I just want to mention this before I go forward. In the last movie, Nick Castle gets the credit for playing the shape, even though like four different people play at a different time. In this one, it's played by another stuntman whose name is Dick Warlock. <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but just a great name. Absolutely incredible. Up there with Rockman Dunbar. Guy's a fucking legend. What a fucking name. All, all first team name. Um, okay, so this movie, as you said, picks up literally exactly where the first one ends, which we love. We explained that in our Harold and Kumar episode. Um, so we don't know where Michael is, basically, but... Lori is now taken to the hospital, obviously haven't been rescued uh, by Loomis, who's, you know, kind of continuing the search for Michael. Uh, Michael hears on the radio where Lori has been taken to the hospital. Uh, so obviously he goes to the hospital. He basically kills everybody in the hospital except for this one guy who uh, sort of has this developed this crush on Lori. His, his name is Jimmy. Um Michael, uh, you know, then pursues Lori uh, outside. Lori kind of hides um, in Jimmy's car. Jimmy tries to rescue her, but then ends up passing out and kind of just like honking the horn, um, thus alerting Michael to where Lori is. Um, Meanwhile, Loomis um, hears that there was a break-in at the elementary school, so he goes there um, to see if Michael is there. He... Through that narrative, he finds out um, that Michael is actually uh, Lori's brother. So the way that that works is that uh, Lori, who was then, you know, one of the Myers, was a young baby when Michael killed Judith, his sister. Um, Then the Myers' parents were subsequently killed in a car crash, and the Strodes adopted Lori. Uh, but she didn't know that. Uh, so she that's why she never knew that she was actually um, Michael's sister. If that sounds silly and convoluted, it's because it is, and we'll talk about it. Yes. So Loomis finds this out, you know, then realizes that, that this is what Michael's doing. He wants to kill his sister. Therefore, he must be going to the hospital. So he kind of, under gunpoint, goes to the hospital with a, a U.S. marshal that came to sort of take him back to his regular job. Uh, Lori has also had some kind of psychic vision memory sort of things where she's realized the same thing over the course of this. So she's kind of aware of that too. Um, Anyway, so Loomis arrives um, at the hospital um, to kind of rescue uh, Lori. He shoots uh, Michael a bunch more times. As you can imagine by now, shooting Michael really doesn't do that much. So Michael then kind of stabs him uh, we think he might be dead, but he's not. Hang on a sec. So Lori then shoots Michael's eyes out. Uh, and yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, then Loomis is back. He's alive. And Lori and Loomis sort of turn on all this gas in the hospital, like oxygen and stuff. And then uh, Lori escapes. Loomis lights it up, uh, basically blowing the fucking hospital up. You know, assuming that he's killed himself, Michael, you know, walks out of the flames, but then kind of passes out. Uh, So we presume that this explosion, in addition to the 12 bullets he's taken, has has killed him. Spoiler alert, it hasn't. There's still nine (laughs) more movies to go. Swiggy! So, yeah. So, 
I let me start here. I will say that well, this movie was very very poorly received at the time. Um, John Carpenter himself said it's an awful movie. Um, since then, um, people have started to appreciate it a little bit more. Uh, I will tell you, I still think this movie is terrible. I I just don't the okay the the sister brother connection. As you've already said, it basically ruins the entire point of the first movie, that he's not actually this pure evil. He has this sort of personal connection to uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, Then, even in this whole movie, Jamie Lee Curtis is basically like a a prop. She doesn't really get to do much, so she doesn't really add anything. The whole setting is like... I guess it's like visually kind of cool, but it's very bizarre that like this hospital has no patients in it and is strangely dark. Like they don't pay their electric bill. <laughs> like Donald Pleasant is way over the top. Oh my God, he's on another the, level. The violence is like, you know, after they kind of wrote this script, they decided to add more violence because other slashers had been doing that, you know, since the first Halloween. So even John Carpenter said we should add some more violence and they do, but like, None of the kills, at least for me, are like very entertaining or creative. They're kind of just recreating some other stuff. So I don't know. I just don't think this movie adds much at all. I mean, yeah, it just doesn't work for me at all. What about you? So I'm torn on this one. When I first watched it, and I'd seen this one back in the day, but it'd been a minute. So when I first watched it, I thought, well, shit, that really does not even come close to the first one. I sort of didn't like it, especially because of the stupid twist at the end with the sister thing. It does sort of ruin it. And also the fact that it's so different tonally in terms of the suspense, how it's shot. Although there are a couple moments similar, but again, it's more just straight on kill, kill, kill opposed to the buildup of the first. I think after watching all of them, I've come to appreciate it more because it is at least besides maybe the latest one, the most similar to the first one. Well, yeah, there's, there's a couple, but it's, it's similar to the first one, although very different. So I've come to appreciate it a little bit more, but all the things you said are, I have to say, I I would love to be able to argue with you, but you're right. Like the hospital shit, Lori's a prop. She's never really in the movie and she's just stuck in this hospital the whole time. No one works at the fucking hospital. Apparently I've never seen a hospital like that. And yeah, it just seems very like there was so much potential and they chose sort of a, you know, sort of a pointless, somewhat stale direction to go with it. It's all confined to this hospital because of Lori. And I just, yeah, I'm, I'm not too, I'm not too hot on it again. A- I do think there's a couple good kills, but we'll talk about those later. Um, but I, I, I do like the beginning first time we see Michael where it's his POV again and the whole thing with like the, the woman in the kitchen and you know, like I do, I did think that was a good, like 
hello, Michael, like he's back. But after that, it just all goes downhill for me. And there's a big part of the movie that's devoted to like, in the very beginning, there's someone walking across the street in a Michael Myers costume, which doesn't make any sense. And he gets absolutely drilled by a car. And that person turns out to be this guy, Ben Tramer, who uh, I think the name is like another friend of John Carpenter, but is like a crush that Laurie had in the first film that they mentioned like briefly. And they spend a lot of time like thinking that that was Michael, even though it's totally inexplicable. And they like go chasing dental records. It's like this whole thing that just it's where the first one is like so tight. There's so much like stalking. There's so much tension. This one has like none of that. Michael appears, kills someone in some way. Next, next scene, same thing. You know, just repeat over and over again. Mm-hmm. It 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 loses what's what's special about the first one. I will say one thing that you can see in this movie, especially knowing where the franchise goes. Again, John Carpenter basically said that he he wrote this drinking beer, like getting his way through it. He hated the film, and he essentially clearly wanted this thing to be gone you know at the end of this movie michael's dead loomis is dead we're we're done with this whole idea we're not making anymore frankly didn't need the second one in the first place no but while we're here let's end this thing little did he know no we are not ending this thing dear lord and i mean i don't have anything else to say on two do you no. Uh, oh, wait. Very quickly, big shout out to the character Bud, who says, yes. Amazing Grace, come sit on my face. <laughs> Absolute legend. <laughs> Cheers to you, Bud. We'll drink a Bud Heavy for you. Yes. Um, that leads us to Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which, my God. What? what? <laughs> Two was bonkers. Hey, yo. Yeah. Welcome to 3. Comes out just a year later in 1982. And. John Carpenter, funny enough, was still involved in this one. It does not feature Michael. It's the only film of the series that it's not about Michael Myers. John Carpenter had thought, hey, let's maybe make this an anthology series. We'll do a different story every year and put one in every year. He didn't want to do Michael Myers anymore. Season of the Witch was born written and directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, and it was not met kindly by either critics, fans, or the box office. Mike, you want to tell us a little bit about this one? Yeah, so you said, yeah, Tommy Lee Wallace, who'd been involved in the films previously, you know, he was almost going to be the director of two, but he wanted to do this anthology idea. They said no, now he's back. Um, also, this is the first time that so Nancy Loomis, which is a stage name, was uh, who played Annie, my favorite character in the first one, is back in this one as a totally different character, as as uh, this guy, uh, Dr. Chalice's wife, which is random, uh, but that also does happen sometimes in the future. So this one, yeah, totally different plot. Um, basically, we are, we open on a guy who isn't exactly a main character in the film. Uh, he's a, a shop owner. Harry Gimbridge is, is running by these men in suits. He sort of kills one of them in like a comical way. He ends up at the hospital 
uh, in the care of this guy, Daniel Chalice, played by Tom Atkins. Um, another one of these men in suits comes into the hospital, kills him. Uh, Tom Atkins sort of chases him outside, and this guy, you know, blows himself up in a car to, like, kind of hide the evidence. Uh, so his daughter, uh, Ellie Gimbridge, you know, it goes in to talk to, uh, you know, Dr. Chalice about what's happened here. Um, they they don't really know what's going on. They find that that Harry had this mask with him that they traced to this silver shamrock company, which is based in fictional Santa Mira, California. Uh, this company is, seems to be a large company. They sell masks um, that everyone's buying. They have these like TV commercials that are counting down to Halloween. Um, so basically they say, hey, we're going to go up there and invest, investigate this company. So they go up there. Um, you know, they see that Harry was up there. They, they see his name in like a hotel register. They see his car was there. Um, but it's obvious that some shady shit is going on. They both get captured. Um, and the, the president of this company, Connell Cochran, uh, there's a weird Irish thing going on here. It's not important. Uh, <laughs> tells them this extremely elaborate plan, which is supposed to tell you what's going on in this movie. I will try to explain this as short as possible, but if it doesn't make sense, it's because none of it makes sense. So effectively, he is using these masks. He's going to give them to the kids. Then using the power of Stonehenge, he is going to, the masks will somehow kill the kids and this will, you know, be in the spirit of kind of the sacrifice of Halloween and the festival of Samhain, which is like uh, an ancient Gaelic festival, which has kind of been referenced in the first two movies, but isn't important at all until now. And that's his incredibly elaborate evil plan. So uh, the do- uh, yeah, so they're captured. The doctor escapes. He rescues Ellie. He uses these same masks and this elaborate thing to basically kill everybody in the factory. Um, but at nine o'clock that night, this you know secret commercial is going to run on Halloween, and all the kids are going to be wearing the masks, and the masks are going to kill them and make snakes come out of their face or something we don't really know it's very bizarre it's really bizarre so yeah so they need to go and race they're basically they escape but they need to figure out how to shut down um these commercials so they're driving and then it's revealed that ellie is now an android which these men in in suits were all androids this entire time um tries to kill daniel he ends up killing her it's the whole invasion of the body snatchers thing um, then like just before nine, he makes it to this gas station, which is where the whole thing starts. Um, he somehow calls TV. I don't know. He calls like every TV station at once and it's, he seems to get a few of them to stop the commercial, but it's kind of ambiguous at the very end, whether he was actually able to stop all the commercials or if like all the children in the country are now dead. Yeah, pretty much the the there's one ch- chant station he hasn't been able to reach, and he's like screaming trying to get through at the end, and it just ends on the cliffhanger of does he ever get through to them? And they originally wanted it to be clear that all of them were dead, but then they ended up not filming it that way, so we we don't know. Yeah, and I mean this, 
I'm gonna I'm just gonna dive in on this one, Mike. Yeah. Wow. My God, I first and I'm just gonna get the obvious out of the way, especially for someone like me that loves Michael Myers. I mean, off the bat, I'm like, why the fuck am I even watching this movie? It has nothing to do with Michael. Um, but with that said, I could not have even prepared myself for the journey I was about to take. I mean, I couldn't even follow some of what's going on in this fucking movie. And on the one hand, when I really sit down after it and think about the concept, I'm like, eh, you know, it was it was actually a little it was sort of interesting. But then I personally get brought back down to earth and I'm like, I'm watching Halloween movies to see Michael Myers. I don't know what I just watched. And the only thing for me personally that's a positive in this film is the ending. I think the ending's badass with him sort of screaming to get through to this last station and us never, you know, not knowing does he get through or does a large, you know, a good portion of kids die. And I thought it was like a very eerie ending. And I really liked that. But the for me, the, I thought the movie was trash. And I know that some people that it's got brought on a little life of its own cult classic sense in the fact of, you know, it's a one Halloween with no Michael Myers. It's this other plot. But look, there's a couple positives. But for me, it's it's mostly a, a thumbs down. And I will say I was very surprised to find out after in research that Jamie Lee Curtis has the most hidden cameo where she is the voice of a telephone operator. So look out for that. If you decide to ever watch this movie, please don't watch this movie, though. Um, no, disagree. Do watch this movie. Oh. So you, you mentioned that. I mean, while I mentioned that it was very well, I mean, poorly received. You mentioned it's become a cult classic. I, I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah. It, it, part of the problem is what you're saying. Like people are expecting Michael Myers. If, if you just labeled this something else entirely, it's probably better received. I think the anthology concept for Halloween would be fun, but again, it needs to be divorced from this whole idea of Michael Myers that we've already established. Um, I think the score is pretty effective in this movie. Uh, it's it's kind of a play on the first one, but a little bit more sort of digitized. Uh, I think Ellie Ellie is good. Stacey Nelkin is good uh, as an actress, I think, in this. Mm. Tom Atkins is absurd, obviously, sort of on purpose. <laughs> that my biggest problem with this movie is that from the time that they're, like, kidnapped to the end of the movie, it's, like, 40 minutes. There's so much, like, explanation and, like, bond-level, like, escaping. Like, yep. it's and, – and all of it is to say that, like, what – there's like spells and curses and Stonehenge and masks. And it's, it's not like explaining it more makes any sense. It's, it's androids. It's, it's absolutely batshit. Yeah, like don't even bother. It's totally batshit. And at that point, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I can't watch it anymore after that. No, I'm like, now there's snakes coming out of masks and materializing <sighs> and killing people. And what the fuck? I already have a fucking fear of snakes. A big part that, I think contributes to the cult classic that we should mention is 
the two main characters have an epic sex scene uh, <laughs> where, and it's particularly great because so the actor Tom Atkins, his real life wife who will become his ex-wife is another character in the movie and she's like in the next hotel room getting murdered by this weird thing that they're doing while he's just like banging this other girl. And it's just a hilarious uh, con- like um, sort of confluence of, of circumstances that people have come to appreciate. That makes no sense whatsoever, but it's pretty great. Yeah, it's it's outrageous. Like I, if you're going to watch it, it's it's more for just to see what the fuck this is all about. The one Halloween without Michael Myers in it. Agreed. I would say it's it's something that I would recommend people to watch because it's so crazy. Maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't. But again, it's another one where if you only knew what was coming, you might appreciate this one more. Since, since since we do, I do. Dear Lord, and and Mike, I know I had said that I had said this to you before we did did the podcast, but the, you know I had watched all these, and before doing this, I almost watched this one again because I wanted to sort of get a take on it after finishing the entire series and realizing that, holy fuck, some of these movies are terrible. Um, I'm going to get around to it. I haven't done it yet, but I, I do feel like I might have a little bit of a higher opinion on it after some of these other ones. So well, now, I'm glad to hear it. Give it a chance. Yeah, yeah. So now we get into four through six, which is yeah, another and- trilogy. Just to recap, yeah, those are a trilogy, and these trilogy, one and two will still be in play. Three never existed. That's kind of where we are in the Michael Myers universe. Yep, and so after three, they sort of stopped with Halloween for a bit. Six years later, 1988, Halloween 4 comes out. It's called Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Mike, you want to give us a quick summary on this one? Yes. So uh, this one, basically, there is so so Loomis is back. Uh, We we find out sort of quickly that some somehow uh, Lori is is dead now. Uh, We we don't really know what happened. We never really find out what happened. Presumably she died in a car accident. I don't I don't I think it's her her old parents that have died in a car accident did she also die in a car accident I thought for some reason yes. she also died she, in a car accident. yes she did sorry no she worries. did but we don't know what happened with her fake parents the strodes they're right. also gone but we don't know why True. anyway and she and, yeah. and and jamie lee has a uh, Lori has a daughter yes jamie jamie played by danielle harris so this is kind of the trilogy that kicks off with her so it's 10 years after Halloween 2, Loomis is still in the picture. New character Jamie is in the picture. Uh, but basically everything else is gone. So uh, Michael, uh, as he will come to do, escapes uh, from from his, his whole uh, sort of sanitarium situation during a, a transfer. Uh, knowing that Jamie is alive, he heads back to Haddonfield to kill her. Uh, Jamie lives with a foster family called the Carruthers. Um, basically, there is a there's a whole kind of family there. The only one that's important is 
Rachel? Mm-hmm. I'm blanking. I'm blanking. Uh, yeah, Rachel. Her Rachel. Rachel, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Her, her real name is Ellie Cornell, but her character name is Rachel. So she's also like teenage, kind of replacing that sort of vibe. Um, so yeah, so Jamie lives with her. Uh, she, Rachel, takes Jamie to get a Halloween costume. It's clear that Michael is back. He's stalking. You know, Loomis is back in town because he knows Michael is back. There's a new sheriff, Sheriff Meeker. Uh, they're they're kind of on the hunt. Michael kills all the cops in the town. He knocks out all the power in the town. You know, Haddonfield, Illinois, knows what's going on. They know about this Michael Myers character, so they kind of form a lynch mob that becomes uh, another sort of character in itself throughout the movie. Basically, all the characters that we have named so far, plus a bunch of kind of high school friends of Rachel go to the sheriff's house. Um, Loomis and the sheriff sort of peace out. Michael comes and kills everybody that's not Rachel and Jamie. Um, Jamie escapes. She runs into Loomis. They go to the schoolhouse, which they were in in episode two. Uh, in episode two, in the second one. <laughs> uh, Michael kind of subdues Loomis but doesn't kill him. Rachel comes in at the last minute and sprays Michael with a fire extinguisher, which allows Rachel and Jamie to escape with the lynch mob. Uh, not so fast. Michael has sort of climbed onto the truck that the lynch mob has, kills everybody in the lynch mob. Uh, Rachel then runs him over uh, and kind of knocks him into sort of the side of the road. Then, you know, the rest of the lynch mob and the sheriff and Loomis, basically everybody comes uh, to the rescue, shoots the sheriff of Michael like a million times, and he falls in this like mine shaft. Um, and we th- kind of think that's the end. But then back at home, you know, Jamie's foster mom is uh, running her a bath, just sort of like, you know, hey, it's been a long fucking day. And Jamie, who was a clown for Halloween, decides to stab the shit out of her mom. And we, you know, Loomis ends like on screaming basically. And we're kind of left, left to believe that like some sort of psychic or, you know, familial connection has convinced Jamie that she will now be the killer. And, and Michael is, is dead. Yeah. Oh man. My God. This. Well, okay. You go first. It's bad. It's fucking bad. I mean, first off, I'm just going to say on a sort of a technical note, his mask is not as scary in these ones, starting with this one. Like, do you notice that the mask changes film to film? Yeah. Yeah. And they use a bunch of different ones. And basically after the second one, they lost that mask and they're always sort of trying to recreate it, but they don't even settle on one and it, they do different things and it looks terrible basically from here on out. Yeah. This, this one is very just like too perfect almost like it's, it's sort of whiter and more, I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it just looks, it doesn't look as good for me. It's not as scary. The plot itself. I mean, I guess in a sense, when you look at it on paper, the plot isn't terrible, but it just doesn't play out for me that well. And 
Loomis, you know, Donald Pleasance, he's outrageous again in this one, over the top. And the ending, I don't know. I don't know if I love the twist, but it's uh, also the whole thing with the lynch mob and shooting him, and then he's down the mine shaft, and then it explodes. It's outrageous. I mean, it's just a we're in this next era of Michael Myers and it's over the top and it's, I don't know. There's, there's some good kills and whatnot in it, but overall I sort of was like, what the fuck am I watching? I, so I, I like this one a little bit more than some of the others. Okay. But I will say that this is where, you know, you were talking about it being realistic this is where this franchise and some of these other kind of 80s slasher franchises starts to lose me. Because in this one, it's clear that there's not going to be any sort of logic or rules anymore. No. You know? And on some level, I'm okay with that. But like from scene to scene, it's like, is he like an unkillable zombie thing that can teleport into different people's rooms or is he like a regular person you know like am i supposed to believe that shooting him kills him or is he like by this point you know jason is clearly like a zombie that you could never kill and they roll out these movies you hate all the characters they're there for just a minute so that jason can kill them in like new fun ways this one is like caught between doing that and like trying to make this sort of new idea of a character that you care about. And it's just like the whole thing doesn't really work from here on out for me. But that being said, at least this one is, you know, it's pretty constant with sort of the deaths. I think this film is actually, it it kind of flies by. I think it has a fair amount of action. I like the idea of the lynch mob. What they end up doing doesn't really make any sense at all. And the ending is totally batshit, but I kind of like it. Like I'm down for five. If five is going to be, oh, now Jamie is sort of like a child killer and we're moving on to something else. I would be down for that. Even though it's crazy, even though it makes no sense. I'm in. Fuck that. I want Michael. Um, Well, one of us is going to be right and it's not me. (laughs) I just think with four, it's like, when you go from it's like you said with that, it just becomes completely unrealistic and almost supernatural, like on every level. It's just the first two. There was again, that, that aura of this could be a normal guy that just goes fucking nuts. And this is like, all right, he's like, he's like this fucking monster character you know movie monster now and it's just ridiculous and it uh i don't know it's again enjoyable to an extent watching michael do stuff but i thought it was a little much for me and i personally while i think four five and six this whole trilogy is pretty meh i i like the fifth one more than the fourth one personally wow okay well we're gonna definitely disagree about that but all right but yeah i mean overall this is where and again like i get it it's kind of the genre but for this one it's like 
it's hard to even know what's supposed to be happening frame to frame because it's so outlandish that like you don't even know like when he electrocutes the guy to death and he like catches up with him like does that mean that he runs now like is that a new evolution of the character or is it just bad editing you know you don't even know what they're trying to say yes that was exactly what i was about to bring up that in these in these three four five and six it's like oh okay michael gets faster now like every movie it's like part of the part of the allure and like the the greatness in my opinion of it is the fact that he just fucking does that haunting slow walk and it's like here it's like oh now he's fast walking oh wait is he running what like and and like with the fire extinguisher like what what happened there yeah was he like blinded by it like it's so unrealistic we don't even know what they're saying and he's suddenly holding onto the car like he was there the whole time but he was on we don't even know we don't even know and anyways it ends with this whole you know mike explained the ending already between the mine shaft explosion and then the sort of twist ending with with uh jamie but What's even more hilarious than all of this is the fucking beginning of five. How outrageous is the beginning of five, Mike? Michael, yeah. Michael stumbling, getting out of the mind, stumbling upon this hermit in a cave who bandages him up. Yeah. So like, like from one to two, you know, in two, there's kind of like two minutes, let's say, which is the end of one replayed so that you kind of get the feeling of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Five, we get the ending again. They all shoot Michael. He falls down the mine shaft. Then we learn they throw dynamite down the mine shaft, but he's escaped down a river. Because and of he course. ends up in some hermit's house. And I'm pretty sure, yeah, they did film this, but they didn't put it in the movie. There is like some story that goes with it where essentially like the hermit is like, you know, some kind of a cult obsessed person and he nurses Michael back to health by doing some sort of crazy ritual. And honestly, even then, like I would be, okay, at least I understand what they're doing here. They just cut all that part out. So it's just like, you just assume that he hung out with this hermit for a year and then he just wakes up immediately kills the hermit and he's back on the rampage. Like somehow you're supposed to know that 800 gunshots takes exactly one year for him to like heal up. It's very bizarre. It's bizarre. Bizarre. Also before Mike dives more into it, this came out a year after four. So 1989 Halloween five, the revenge of Michael Myers. Take it away, my friend. And I will say also, this is, we've still at least released every movie in October which would make a lot of sense until we get to a slew where they're just not released in October anymore. Yeah, they're released so in the summer. I'm like, what the fuck it, is going on? It's very bizarre. Okay. So, yeah, we're so Donald Pleasance is back as Loomis. You know, Daniel Harris is back. Jamie's still alive. Her, you know, foster sister, Rachel, is back. We've got the same sheriff. Basically, they, they're not doing much to introduce any other characters that matter uh, in this movie. So... Yeah, so we mentioned it. Michael was chilling with a hermit for a year. He recovers. Shockingly, he just immediately kills that hermit, and he's back. He needs Poor to kill hermit. Jamie. Poor hermit. I don't know what he was. He's really playing with fire there. He was. He I don't was. know what would. Yeah, it's we again. We don't get his backstory. Sadly, you got Michael, man. Sever the fucker's head off. Like, does no one understand this? There's some crazy drifter type hermit characters that exist throughout the series and it doesn't work out well really for any of them. No. So 
And if you thought that's where the movie would maybe get less crazy, you're wrong. So Jamie is now in some sort of kid's hospital in the community. Um, She is now mute for some reason. And she has some sort of psychic connection with Michael where she appears to be able to see where he's at sometimes. That doesn't get any explanation, so I can't give you one. Nope. Uh, oh, also her mom is alive. Even though she stabbed the shit out of her, it turns out that she's alive. So she's just traumatized. We don't ever see her, but like we just have to know that she's alive. So Loomis is back on the hunt. Loomis seems to always know when Michael's back. Um, he's pretty pissed at Jamie because he thinks Jamie can solve this thing, even though she's a small child. He, again, he's fully ridiculous at this point, and you're never going to like him again, so don't worry. Uh, so this one has all of the setup is totally irrelevant. Um, Michael kills a bunch of cops. He kills, uh, Rachel. He kills all of Rachel's friends. Basically. Um, he tries to kill Jamie. He, he is not, not successful at that. Um, then Jamie agrees basically to help Loomis and the sheriff Meeker, um, to capture Michael Loomis keeps sort of alert. Like there's a few times in this where he's like, Oh, I know what to do. I'm going to kill Michael. And you're like, all right, he's got this grand plan. So they set up this big trap at Michael's old house uh, with Jamie. Then Michael breaks into the clinic where Jamie used to be staying at. Uh, and everyone gets distracted and all the police just leave and they go check it out. So now, so now the house is basically unguarded. It's got like one cop and Loomis and Jamie. Oh my God. Uh, and there's a few other people. Anyway, Michael kills everybody. He hurts Loomis. Um, he almost kills Jamie. Um, he basically has set up this weird candly seance thing. And he's like gonna kill Jamie. Then Jamie kind of like pleads this sort of family connection. And we're like, Michael like sheds a tear, he takes off his mask. Well, she takes off his mask, sheds a tear. Now we're like, does Michael have feelings? We still don't know. We don't think so. He tries to kill Jamie anyway. Um, ultimately, Loomis gets back, you know, he's back in, on his feet and he springs the grand trap that he has on Michael, which is hit him with a two by four. Uh, that works for some reason. Uh, he also gets in with like tranquilizers, but basically, yeah, that's the grand plan. So Michael's not dead, but we hit him with a two by four, which is enough to get him to prison. Seemingly everything is good, except what I didn't tell you was that randomly throughout this movie, (laughs) there has appeared a man in black. We have no idea what he's doing. He, well, he doesn't do anything until the very end of the movie. You just see him. Not his face, just his boots. His no context, boots. no explanation, no understanding. But somehow it, his thing is to just shoot all the police officers at the jail and blow the fucking place up and break Michael out. And and they're gone. And I will, uh, I will take this one. Uh, this, this is... Clearly one of the worst movies ever made. Um, <laughs> it's awful. It's so awful. I mean, I don't even 
you know, the stuff with Jamie and the site. Oh, I forgot to even say it. Like halfway through the movie, she can suddenly talk. She's not. No explanation. We don't know why. All of that was kind of put in by the director who came in sort of out of nowhere. He just added that. That part makes no sense. This man in black thing. I'll tell you right now. You would assume that in the sequel, because of course there's a sequel, we would, you know, it would be set up for us to understand what the man in black is. No, they didn't have any idea. They just sort of wrote it. And then like the guy that gets stuck with the sequel has to pick it all together. Like, why would you introduce the whole thing is crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It's so bizarre. You know, the cops, when the cops come out in this one, there's these weird clown noises. Like it's sort of a Benny Hill sketch. It's, it's so crazy. What do you think about this movie? So, okay. Now that we're talking about it, and it's all coming back to me. I mean, four and five could sort of go, you know, tit for tat on which one's worse. I mean, four in theory, the plot makes a little bit more sense. I think five, I only personally give the edge because I like a couple of the kills more than in four. With that said, nothing makes sense in this film. You'd think maybe that the man in black thing would get explained at the end. No, like Mike said, then not even really explained in six, but it's just outrageous. Again, for me, all three of these ones, four, five and six are just trash, but five at least entertained me, I think, the most like in the sense of I know I knew going into five. Okay, these movies are bad, like four is bad. They're all going to be bad. And I think I got the most comedic entertainment out of this one of the three which therefore made it the most enjoyable for me of the three to watch i mean the decisions are so crazy like you know jamie's good she's been good for what she's being asked to do especially as a child actor rachel it's maybe not the best acted character but at least she's someone that you can kind of identify with and Mm -hmm. she's you know one of the few real characters after the first one why she then has to die and be replaced by some random character, Tina, that I didn't mention because it's not important. I have no idea. You know, why he's driving for the entire movie, Michael Myers. We didn't explain that he knows how to drive because it's not explained, but he's driving like this whole movie. Like it's, it's, it's so bizarre. Like everything about it just makes no sense. And they got rid of the ending of the fourth one. They just acted like that never happened. Oh, with her. You know, wait, what? With her killing... Yeah, or and then because like yeah. set up for like her being you know sort of evil or like you know the way that it was originally going to be written is they were kind of going to be like a tag team they were both going to kill and they were still going to have a rivalry at least it would have been something you know this is just and this is really where like the producers never can agree on a director they can never agree on a script they can never agree on the right amount of violence they can never agree on a storyline like there is no long-term plan they're just doing it like movie to movie and it just ends up being you know outrageous what you what you're actually watching Mm -hmm. and yeah no it's totally outrageous and and you know that uh i hope i'm not butchering his name but mustafa akkad who is a producer behind a lot of the, a lot of the films. Um, He actually said one of his biggest regrets of the series was killing off Rachel. Um, He, he did it because he wanted to show that no one was safe from Michael. 
but sounds like he regretted it at the end of the day, as you should, because, again, like Mike said, she was one of the only, like, real characters you got to know since the first one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this movie's fucking ridiculous. I have nothing else of note to say about it. And all that I will say is that the next film, Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, is in contention for me for worst of the series. It is fucking awful. Agreed. The the last thing I'll add about five that I would like to leave people to think about is when Michael Myers is in his old house and he's got bodies upstairs and he like has Jamie in a coffin and doesn't kill her. There's like hundreds of candles around. And all I could think when I'm watching this is, did Michael Myers buy those candles? Like, where did he get them? Like, did he go into like a Bed Bath and Beyond, buy 200 candles, and then like light them? Like, what are they trying to say there? It's just, it's so crazy, and I can never look past it. It's My favorite underrated part. Unbelievable! I didn't even thought about that. That's incredible. Um, before you jump Halloween. into six, oh, okay. Well, not about five. I'm just going to say about six. So it took six years for this thing to come out. It came out in 1995. Maybe they realized how fucking terrible four and five is, but I part of me thinks no, they didn't because they made a worse film. Um, so story picks up six years later after the events that happened in five, and the only saving grace of this film, only saving grace, is the entertainment we get out of getting to watch Paul Rudd play Tommy Doyle, the kid that Laurie was babysitting in the first one grown up now. And I mean, and it, it funny enough came out, what was it? 95, same year that clueless came out. So it wasn't even Paul Rudd's first role, but well, this was, it was filmed first though. So this was actually his first one that he filmed. Okay. Clueless came out first because they had to wait for this one to come out until later in the year. So if you want to see every Paul Rudd movie, you're going to have to suffer through this film. And he's bad. I'll be honest. He's bad in this. Oh, yeah. He's it's. Oh, God. Let's give us quickly the the breakdown. I can't bear to talk about this one for too yeah. long. Okay. So. So, yeah. So there's this one. They, they brought in so many different ideas for directors, so many different producers, so many different writers. Eventually, the guy that got to write it. It's basically, it's got Daniel Farrens, but he basically came in and was like a super fan of the series and was like, you know, this gigantic mess that you've created, I'm going to put the pieces together and I'm going to explain everything. <laughs> okay, bro. Mistake, mistake number one, nothing that's happened is could be explainable in any way. <laughs> so don't try because this is, this is what happens when you try to make it act like, oh no, there was a plan the whole time. There was not. So, okay, we've got Donald Pleasance back. You mentioned we've got Paul Rudd, Tommy Doyle. He was a kid from the first one. He's now sort of grown up and he's like obsessed with trying to figure out why Michael Myers is doing this and like trying to stop him sort of. We have a new sort of teenage female lead who is Kara Strode. So this is like she would be like a cousin to Jamie Lee Curtis's character, right? Yeah, she's, I think she's, an adoptive she, cousin, right? Yeah, yeah. There's like a whole Strode family. They live in the Myers house, which is incredibly weird. And and I guess they're they're a target because they're technically blood, but they just came in out of nowhere. 
The dad anyway. is a complete fucking loser. This abusive yeah. asshole. He thankfully Michael kills him in great fashion. Um, Jamie is back, but she's no longer played by Danielle Harris. And it's it's she's older. Anyway, she well she's there. And then the only other main character is Doctor Wynn, who's like, um, I guess maybe Loomis sort of studied under him, kind of thing. They were colleagues. They spoke in the first film, but it was played by a different. He was played by a different actor in that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, the beginning of this film is outrageous. It's like you you go yeah. into it. You go into it. Yeah, I was going to say so. Yeah, so that's kind of where we are. But basically. Right off the bat, we have a new, as I said, we have a new Jamie. That Jamie is giving birth to a baby in some sort of catacombs. Is that the right word? Some sort of like basement crypt? Yeah, some like basement crypt that's away from the world and nobody knows she's down there except the these fucking evil mysterious people that are keeping her trapped down there some sort of druid cult as we'll come to find out so anyway she has the baby she escapes with the baby uh michael tracks her down and kills her brutally but it turns out that she stashed the baby at a bus station earlier um when she was at that bus station she she tried to call 911 but they were busy so she ends up calling a radio station and some people hear that, and that kind of triggers what happens. So Tommy Doyle lives across the street from the Myers house where these new Strodes live. He hears this on the radio. You know, he's obsessed with Michael. Somehow from this, like, her distressed call on the radio, he realizes that there's a baby in a cabinet at a bus station, and he picks up that baby, names it Stephen. <laughs> Loomis... Is hanging out with Wynn. You know, Loomis is retired. Wynn is asking him to come back and do some work. They also hear this on the radio. And you know, Loomis, when Michael's afoot, he's on the hunt. <laughs> uh, so, so Tommy gets connected with Kara, the teenage daughter of the Strode, who also has her younger brother, uh, Danny. Or is it her son? Anyway, there's a younger one, Danny. It's it, There's a confusing part where, like, maybe the dad like sort of raped her and like Danny is both a brother and they didn't really get too much of it except in the producer's cut, which we'll talk about. So anyway, we've got Kara and Tommy, young Danny. Uh, Tommy leaves to go find Loomis and tell him sort of what's going on. Like he's got the baby. Um, Michael goes and kills basically all the Strodes, but Kara and Danny are at the boarding house. Um, Tommy goes back to the boarding house. Surprise, the cult comes in kidnaps everybody, takes them to the catacombs. I don't know what you call it. But it's actually just like a dungeon that's like in the sanitarium where like all these other movies have taken place. Yeah. Um, depending on which version you watch, this is where things go a little haywire. But basically, uh, the, they smack the shit out of Loomis. He's down. Uh, but not before Wynn explains that the baby is either a baby that it, the father is Michael Myers or it's like some sort of in vitro thing where it's like not Michael Myers' baby per se, but is going to be like inheriting this curse that Michael Myers has. Where'd this curse come from? Well, I'll tell you. 
this had this weird runic thing that also appeared in five, but didn't have a way that it was going, that it was supposed to explain why Michael Myers is invincible and why he does the thing that he does, which is basically kill his whole family. It doesn't make any sense. It's not even worth your time. So that's what's going on. We don't really know. It's crazy. Tommy gets free. He kind of frees everybody else. Michael goes on a killing spree, killing this cult, which has been supporting him for years, which is bizarre. Um, I am going to give the, I guess, the regular sort of theatrical version of what happens from here. So Tommy injects Michael with some shit and then beats him with some pipe, which we know from last movie, beating him with physical things apparently subdues him when gunshots don't. They, you know, the main characters kind of run outside. Then last shot, Michael's mask is on the floor. He's no longer on the floor. And we hear Loomis screaming in the background, assuming that, you know, maybe he's been killed and Michael is once again on the loose. There is a producer's cut where basically they use this rune power to kind of disable Michael, but then he escapes anyway and the curse goes on to Loomis, but none of that picks up anywhere. So some people say the producer's cut is a much better film. I'm not sure that I agree. I'm not sure that it makes any sense. Justin, Curse of, of Michael Myers. None of Go. it makes any sense. This fucking movie. The movie started and I was excited that Paul Rudd was in it. My excitement ended right there. Um, this movie is everything I could ever hate about the Michael My- about the Halloween franchise in one. What I love about Halloween is the realness of the first one, even of the first two. This is as far into supernatural, wacky shit as any of them get. And it it creates all this reasoning even more, even more so than Lori being Michael's, you know, sister. This one creates this whole fucking cult and these, you know, this curse of thorn. And it's, it's just so, so silly and so stupid. And I, I truly hate it. I think it's, absolutely awful um loomis you know donald pleasance unfortunately died in real life just after this movie completed filming not long after um so the film ends up being dedicated to him but i also part of me wonders did they not film some of the scenes because it really seems to end abruptly um an unfortunate ending for him in the series because I know that he's sort of been off the wall for the last few, but he's such an iconic piece of the series. I wish he had a more epic ending. So to bummer on that end, again, just everything to do with this cult and this man in black and Michael now being this killing machine for all, you know, for this reason. And it just, I I really hate it. I truly, you know, I there's this movie and one other that for me contend for the worst of the series and my god, it's so fucking bad. 
Yeah, we may disagree on four, but five and six are, are pretty universally regarded as just absolute pieces of shit. And this is where it's like, again, like, obviously, the best thing to do is the first one. Something that feels real, that's actually scary, you know, that you can relate to and is terrifying. The other option is, again, what what Friday the 13th is now doing in parallel to much more box office box office success at the time. New characters every time. All the characters suck. They never explain them. You just want to see them get murdered. Their head gets frozen and slammed into tables and explodes and shit. And we know that you know Jason's a zombie, and that's fun because again, it's a comedy, right? We get that. This movie is truly it's it's like the second thing, but they're acting like the first thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh no, this all makes sense. This is real. This is. It's so outrageous, and even just having to explain the plot is killing me. I wish I didn't have to explain it just so you knew where this goes because it's it's horrible. There's no need to ever see this or number five I, because I, yeah. none of this ever gets referenced again. Agreed. There's no reason to watch any any four or five or six. But Mike and I, you know, I guess we'll disagree. I'm gonna say five might might be the best of those three. Mike's gonna say four but we'll agree on the fact that six is an absolute piece of crap and funny enough based on what we're saying about why six is so bad the fact that they decide to do the exact opposite in seven is what makes seven actually an enjoyable film um in my opinion at least so seven is halloween h2o 20 years later, 1998, they completely disregard what happens in four through six. And we get back our fine, our original final girl, Lori Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis. She's back people. Um, so it's, it just follows the first two films and Michael, Mike, you might, I'm just going to take this one away if you don't mind. Yeah. Michael in this one, he's been missing since the fire at the end of Halloween two in 1978. Lori ended up faking her own death so that she could go into hiding because she's terrified that Michael is still out there. Um, she's the, she's the headmistress now of a private school. Her name is Carrie Tate. Um, and she just clearly, you're seeing the effects of, that Michael has had on her psyche over the years. She's totally paranoid uh, and absolutely, you know, terrified that he's going to come back. She has a son named John who's played by Josh Hartnett. Shout out to Josh Hartnett. Um, His girlfriend is played by Michelle Williams. You know, we've got, we've got a little bit of a cast in this one. And so anyway, John attends the school where she is, um and it's it's halloween the school the kids are supposed to go to yosemite on a trip um it's a whole thing where john's trying to get permission she's not going to give it to him then she does he doesn't even go him his girlfriend a couple of their friends they all stay back And Michael, of course, 
does come, finds Lori, goes on a classic Michael spree. But again, it feels smaller like the first one in a sense because it's it's contained to the school grounds. LL Cool J, by the way, is the security officer at the front gate. So legendary. Um, And also we get a very, very young Joseph Gordon-Levitt at the very beginning of the film who back in Haddonfield, Michael, it is, yeah, it's in Haddonfield. Yeah, it's in Haddonfield, right? It's, or somewhere like close by, yeah. Somewhere it's, it's close like, by, because it's, it's the old, um, it's like the old secretary of Loomis or whatever, yeah. and who's older now, he goes to find where Lori is. And anyways, um, along the way, we meet a very young Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and he's killed by Michael. So off screen, but it's it's a pretty epic kill nonetheless. Um, so, yeah, Michael chases Lori, John, and Co. through the school grounds on Halloween. And at the end... Lori decides, you know, she gets the kids out. She's like, fuck this. I'm facing Michael once and for all. They have a whole, a whole sequence at the school. It ends with Lori. I'm trying to see. I'm, I'm blank. She ends up. She stabs the shit out of Michael. She stabs the shit out of Michael. Doesn't she, then she jumps in the ambulance, right? Yeah. Yeah drives out of the school um, and she ends up chopping Michael's head off. Yeah. Um, Finally killing him. He's dead. We're like, he can't be fucking alive, right? Wrong. He's still fucking alive. And we'll tell you why in a few minutes. Yeah. You want to add anything to this one? Yeah, I mean, I guess I think the way to think about this movie, you're right. A lot of people like this one better. And it's really the screamification of Halloween. You know, it's basically because of partially all of the shitty Halloween sequels, the the slasher genre has died. Scream saved it. So they're like, boom, let's redo it. Almost too literally. You know, they get Kevin Williamson to write on it. Obviously, he's the writer of Scream. They add in pieces of Marco Beltrami's score. You know, they make a reference to to a line in Scream about, which is already a reference to a line in Halloween. You know, they're watching Scream 2. The whole idea of adding LL Cool J, you know, centering it on this like group of teens is like very clearly like we're turning our thing into like a new teen slasher uh, to capitalize on what Scream has done. And, And it, it makes more sense as a film. It's certainly an improvement over what we've seen. And I'm glad that they made the choice to just get rid of now three, four, five, and six all gone off the slate. Uh, I'm not as high as this, on this as others. I don't think there's too many like sort of great moments. You're crazy. Um, what are you talking about? The end is great, but eh, this one doesn't do that much for me. To be, I like what? that they do this whole trauma angle with Jamie Jamie, you know, it's like the the she's an alcoholic, she has trauma, she blows up at the kid. You know, that that's kind of interesting. They add something, but 
I just don't know. Dude, this one's great. This, I will this... say with this one, sorry, dude, but the only thing that I can say good about it is that this is actually the first fucking movie where after Michael kills somebody, there is a blood trail. You know, Josh Hartnett and his girlfriend go and they see blood and they're like, oh, something's wrong. In every other one, Michael just like takes bodies and there's no blood and no one sees them. And that allows him to surprise people. In that way, this ends up being a bit more realistic. Totally. I, I think you're crazy to say that this one isn't that, you know, that good. It's, to me, one of the better ones. And I like that it's it's a lot different, of course, from the first one. But it focuses on a small group of people that Michael's going after. And like you said, it does have a bit of the scream effect. They use that formula. They use, you know, Kevin Williamson was involved in this. I mean, I love Scream, one of my favorite horror movies besides the OG Halloween. So I think it's fitting for this. I also think Scream is another case of something that could be real. And so going in that vein, opposed to the vein that they've gone in the last handful of films, to me, it's course correcting and that they're on the right track. And like you said, we actually get a little bit of character development and I just think this is a very entertaining, well-done Halloween film, especially when we look at all of the films that have come after number one. I mean... It's definitely one of the better ones. I'm not saying it's not, but it's, you know, standalone. Do I love it? No. Okay. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to blow your mind as I segue... Because I actually like the idea of the next movie, which is oh, just as sacrilegious yeah, as saying it. I, I love that. I don't even know if we can talk after this. Are you? F- I think I think Resurrection's arguably the worst one of all. Even I think it, I might hate it more than Six. It might be a terrible movie. No, it is a terrible movie, but I don't hate the idea. <laughs> Tell me what you don't hate about the idea, please, please. Okay, so God damn it. So Resurrection basically the whole point of the movie is that they're doing a reality TV show. Who's doing a reality TV show? Buster Rhymes and Tyra Banks, of course. Of course. Uh in Michael Myers' old house and you know, they're going to have the people in the house and then you know, they're telling them like, you know, nothing's going to happen. It's they're just going to see whatever but obviously it's reality TV, so they're going to like manufacture some scares. You know, spoiler alert, Michael's going to show up and kill him. And excuse me, can I please just interject? Can I tell you the moment that this movie, I was out? The opening of the film, everyone. Oh, gosh. Oh, the end of the previous movie where Jamie Lee epically chopped Michael's head off. Oh, actually, Michael swapped clothes with one of the paramedics it wasn't Michael. He cru- He also crushed that that paramedic's larynx, so he couldn't talk. And <laughs> that's who Laurie killed. Even though, you know, at the end of the movie, she looks into his eyes. She knows it's him. But no, it was this paramedic. That's who she killed. Laurie's now in a mental institution because of the fact that she's gone crazy because she ended up killing an innocent person. And... 
Michael comes and finds her at the very beginning of the movie, kills her, but not before. I'm like at a loss for words right here. She fucking like kisses Michael and then says she'll see him in hell or whatever. And then she she falls down and dies. It's immediately I'm like. And it's just like we're done with that. Yeah. Oh, we just brought Jamie Lee back to kill her and in the stupidest way ever for the most iconic character besides Michael in the franchise. We're, you know, we're just going to kill her like that. That's how we're going to fucking kill her. Hey, Tom, don't worry. She's coming back. Nobody <laughs> dies. In this. True. Uh, but yeah, it's terrible. And and then the rest of the plot, you know, as I said, where it goes from there is is very clearly, you know, this, it just sounds like the Weinsteins called up some people and were like, Hey, let's get some of that reality TV on here. You know, I've heard that's what the kids are doing. So like, yeah, the people that put on the reality show, Buster Rhymes and Tyra Banks, they're both absolutely atrocious. Uh, you know, and then there's just a cast of teens. Like there's Kevin from American yeah, Pie. Eddie K. Thomas. You know, uh, no. Oh, not Eddie K. Thomas. Thomas that's Finch. It's um. Thomas Jesus Christ. Yes, Thomas. They, the the other guy with three names. Bianca um, Kylik, who later stars on that Rules of Engagement show. Also, of course, my, your girl, Katie my girl, Sackoff. say Katie Sackoff, Starbuck, Battlestar Galactica. If you listen to top five TV characters, my girl's in here. I thought- also Ryan Ryan Merriman, who started the Disney movie Luck of the Irish. Did you watch that? Incredible. And and dude, I was like, when I saw Katie Sackoff, I was like, all right, I at least got to enjoy this movie a little bit. Nope. I think this is like her first feature too, and she's not good in it. I'll no, be honest. No, she's not. And I think uh, Lorena Gale is in this movie, who's also in Battlestar Galactica. But I don't know anything oh. about Battlestar Galactica. I just read that. Oh. So right, yeah. So yeah. this is clearly like this guy's a go. fucking closet Battlestar Galactica fan. He just didn't want to tell me. He didn't want to <sighs> satisfy me. It's, it's nothing. I'm sorry. I lied to you. Um, yeah. So yeah, this is. It's just like look. We're just do a shameless teen grab. The last one was a success because people like town liked it. So let's just get this one right in there. We don't have a strong plot. Town explained kind of what happens for us to get here. Um, the angle that we're going for after that, they're all in the house. Again, Michael's on the loose. Somehow they don't seem to know that Michael is back and murdering people. No big deal. They're in the house. Shocker. They're all going to die. Um, luckily, you know, Katie, I mean, uh, Bianca Kylik's sort of friend is is watching this because it's all being live streamed and helps her and Buster Rhymes escape. Buster Rhymes also knows Kung Fu, which is weird. And he like electrocutes <laughs> Michael and starts a big fire. Um, so anyway, so two characters get out. Um, and then, of course, you know, big, big electrical fire. Michael's at the morgue, presumed dead. And then he's not. He opens his eyes, and we know that we're not done. Unfucking real. And that's the whole movie. There's there's nothing to this really. Also, if anyone deserved to die in the movie, it's Buster Rhymes, and he somehow is like the hero. It, and he's oh god, he's so bad. He's it's so so bad. bad. It's- and El Cool J is I thought he was serviceable in the last movie. He was you great. Know, obviously not you know, it's, he's not like winning Oscars, but like, you know, he's been in some films. He's okay. 
I mean, the the level of acting in this, even like, you know, your girl Katie Sackhoff obviously gets better over time, but like everyone is terrible. Oh, it's it's almost unwatchable. I truly seeing the cast didn't think there was any way that I could dislike it this much. It truly is trash on another level of trash. Also, H2O and Resurrection are the two. They're both released in the summer, very strangely, as are both of the Rob Zombie ones that we're about to talk about. So very strange. Um, God, Resurrection so bad. It really isn't worth any of our breath. I. It, it is fucking awful. That's what I'm going to just end with on my end. I- yeah, I will just mention, I don't know if you knew this, but if I can get you even more mad at it, you know, there's a scene where like Katie Sackoff like shows her bra. Like you think she might show her tits, but she just shows her bra. Mm-hmm. Not even her. But if you look at the way that it's edited, it's not even her. What? And she said so. They brought in a body double. For that? Uh, yeah, because she like, yeah, she didn't want to do it. And then they tried to make it look like it was her, which ah. is just so slimy and gross. But- on the plus side, she did do most of the screaming for Bianca Kylik because she can't actually scream. So, secret Katie Sackoff notes. Wow. Okay. Okay. I'll take some secret Katie Sackoff notes. But yeah, Peter Peter Travers, Rolling Stone. I think he summed this one up perfectly, which is every sequel you skip will be two hours gained. Consider <laughs> this review life affirming. Just so wonderful. <laughs> Oh, Peter Travers, we salute you for that one. Um, All right. We're done with those. So that's number eight. Now we go over to Rob Zombie World. And the next two films are Rob Zombie remakes of the first two. The first one comes out in 2007. just called Halloween. And Mike... Give it to us. Okay, yeah. So this is a, as you said, it's it's a remake. It's sort of a reimagining. Um, it's not meant to be kind of a strict remake, but that does get confusing. There's there's a, a huge cast in this one because there's there's a lot of stuff different going on. But shout out to Annie Trejo. We 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 know you you always get the shout out from always, us. Always, always. So yeah, basically, this movie has two kind of very distinct parts which are a little strange so the first is kind of an expansion on young michael myers who's now 10 Uh, basically we learn that he lives in like a fucked up house with like a fucked up situation very rob zombie if you've seen his other films Um, and that's kind of what leads him to murder his sister judith Uh, he also murders a school bully he murders kind of this sort of boyfriend almost stepdad type character and of course he murders uh the guy that judith is having sex with then we see him go to the hospital like we know he did in the last one he kills a nurse there this leads his mom to kill herself um totally fucked up situation now we're you know to the the where the majority of the original halloween takes place you know he breaks out he goes after Lori. Uh, you know, he kills most of the same people the same way. In this one, he kills the Strode parents. Um, there's a slightly different babysitting setup. Um, 
Annie does not get killed in this one. Uh, her boyfriend does, which didn't happen in the last one. Um, basically, same idea sort of at the end, except um, Michael kidnaps Lori, brings her back to their old house. Loomis still, you know, shoots Michael, but not in the same way, and he gets kind of smacked around. Uh, and then Michael and Lori fall out on uh, out of the balcony onto the ground, but Lori kind of wakes up first, grabs a gun, shoots him in the head. Michael's dead. End of movie. Mm-hmm. Loomis is played uh, by Malcolm McDowell. Yes. Big shout out Malcolm McDowell. Big shout out Andrade. Mm-hmm. Big shout out Sloan. That was all the other There's also, yeah, we've got Danny Trejo in here. You know, D. Wallace, who's a legend in her own right, is in here. Ken Forey is in here from Dawn of the Dead. There's a lot of people that are, you know, play a ton of roles in the different Rob Zombie universe, including his wife, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's because there's like basically two movies in one that kind of span different years. There's a million different characters. Um, I will go first, uh, and I will say that most people do not like this movie, and I think it's quite good in comparison to the other sequels. Um, I think the biggest problem with this movie is that it's called Halloween. You know, if people are mad that they've, that Rob has tried to add some sort of explanation to what Mike, Michael Myers does. Um, because as you said many times, you appreciate in the first one how we don't know who he is. You know, he's just evil. He doesn't have a backstory. And that's what makes him scary. And I think that's fair. However, if you consider that that doesn't happen, that this is, like we say, a reimagining, it's a different version of a similar but not the same story, and it wasn't called Halloween. It was just called Fucked Up Kid Serial Killer. I feel like people would like it a lot more. It is weird having the two movies in one, the pacing gets kind of weird. But I think this is one of the scariest Michaels. Um, the brutality is stark, but not too over the top, in my opinion. Um, and I like I like the Rob Zombie universe. The sort of Texas Chainsaw, redneck, totally fucked up outrageous shit going on, brutality, Rob Zombie-ness of his films. And I think this is a a version of the movie that makes sense. I can see why people are hurt about how it represents the first one. But again, if you pretend like that one doesn't exist, I think this is a very competent film compared to most of the others. Well... I'll start by saying I agree on one point, which is it is one of the scarier Michaels. I disagree with a lot else was I, I am one of those people that I, I sadly just cannot get past that. I, that it is called Halloween that yes, it's, it's supposed to be a reimagining, but I think it's just such a lesser, quality reimagining and and some of your points are sound if it was called something else 
I think people would appreciate it more. It's not that it's very poorly done. It does have a story to it, more of a story than most of the other films. But because it is a reimagining of the classic, a lot of the stuff they add in, I think, is a negative. I think the further development and background into his childhood hurts the film because it takes away some of the mystique, some of the aura of what's scary about it. it. This sort of gives him a reason almost. You sort of feel bad for Michael a little bit. And I don't like that. I also, I do like the Rob Zombie universe typically. But again, because it's sort of a reimagining of something where I already have a preconceived notion of the universe, I think it's so trash. It's like a trashy version of Halloween. It's like all these fucking rednecks like i it's just not what i envision in my head when i think of halloween i think of like a suburban you know like a little suburban town and this again it's supposed to be a reimagining i just don't like the reimagining compared to the original and i don't love who they have as lori um I really think the only positive for me is that Michael is quite scary and it is pretty fucking intense. There's no doubt about that. But I think a negative is that they just focus. And again, it's zombie style, but there's no suspense to it. It's all focused on fucking intensity and gore and brutality. And it's like what I the reason why I think H2O is a solid film after a lot of shit sequels is because it actually cares about the suspense for a moment again. This one might be more competent than some of the sequels, but it creates a backstory and has actors portraying iconic characters that I don't think do those characters justice. Yeah, so I I think what I would like to accomplish or what I would like to convince other people of is that if this is not your taste because of the things you've just said, fair. But this movie has been unfairly maligned for a lot of other reasons, which I don't think is fair. I mean... Yeah, it takes a different... It is trashy Halloween. I mean, that's exactly what it is. And the thing is that that's what he intends to do, and that's what he does, you know? And there's a certain thing where, okay, I can appreciate that. You tried to make a film, and you made it exactly as you were going to make it. And there's... I mean, yes, the character development, especially in the second half, is poor. I've I've come to think that that is somewhat intentional, because Mm -hmm. the movie... Is sort of through Michael's eyes, so you don't want to really develop those characters. Like he doesn't give a shit. Um, I also think huge Michael Myers, the actor is like six foot eight, is awesome. I think that adds a lot to it. But again, these are they're more personal preferences. And no, at this time, like Rob Zombie's not the best script writer. Like there's there's a lot of things in there that you could quibble at. But again, setting out to make a movie and making it successfully already puts you sort of top five of all of them in my book. Because the wow. bar is low from a lot of these ones we've talked about. Well, we're going to disagree there. But I'll say this. If if this remake Halloween reimagining 
is watchable, cohesive to an extent, and at least worth taking a look at to see another another vision of these films for me too is just absolutely terrible and it came out two years later in 2009 and mike i'll let you explain quickly about the plot but i just want to say this one opposed to the first one has sort of a supernatural hallucinogenic vision aspect to it and i just i just think it's silly so i'll agree with you uh, i hate this movie too and i want to like it because i said i really like the first one and i'm kind of dying on that hill but yeah so this one is it's two years later um and basically what we're trying to show in this is sort of the changes that people have gone under basically everybody except michael so Michael did not die at the end of the first one. He's actually just sort of been, you know, kind of wandering in the woods, sort of surviving. It's not really clear if he's like two years walk away or if he's just been like living. Sort of reminds me of him getting fucking nursed back to health in the beginning of five by the hermit. It is like that. It's very much like that. Uh, Lori now lives with Annie and her dad, who's the sheriff. She's dealing with some trauma about the whole situation and is having these sort of psychotic hallucinations of Michael and, you know, Michael's mom. She obviously doesn't know that that she's the sister, which will become apparent. And she's almost having, you know, violent imagery in her head as well. Uh, Loomis has become a prick. He's like totally different character that I hate so much he's just like a press whore and he's like writing these books about it and nobody likes him um basically through one of his books lori finds out that she's the sister so we're going down that angle uh lori then goes to a halloween party gets super fucked up michael comes around to these different locations kills kills some people kills annie which sucks uh he kills a whole bunch of people on the way that aren't important. And I'm not even going to talk about, but basically at the very end of the movie, you know, we're down to Lori and Michael in a shed. Loomis shows up trying to sort of right the wrong. And you'll have to tell me which version you've seen town, because basically in the theatrical version, uh, Michael stabs Loomis. uh, Then, Lori stabs Michael and is wearing his mask. And then we see at the end that she's kind of in the hospital uh, with, with, you know, she's gone fully sort of embraced the curse of the family and gives this kind of weird smile similar to like the end of the omen. And then in the DVD version, uh, Michael stabs Loomis. He, he says die, which is weird. He speaks for the first time ever. Then he gets shot by the cops then Lori comes out, she gets shot by the cops, but then she also ends up in the mental hospital. And there's alternate endings to all of that. So it's, it's messy. But at the end of the day, very similar to Halloween 2 in that Rob Zombie never wanted to do this again. And so Michael's dead. Loomis is dead. Lori is locked away forever. End of, end of movie. Jesus. And I, 
this movie honestly most of the films that we've talked about like we've we've criticized them a lot because at the end of the day they're not delivering a lot to you they're just sort of kill porn uh this one is let's say the the porniest of the ball all of the people that are introduced are just there to get murdered and they get mm-hmm. murdered in extremely brutal ways that are comically over the top i mean it's not comical because it's disturbing to watch but like it's so far over the top to think that anyone would write this even for me as a fan of most of rob zombie's movies and a frequent defender this goes way beyond the line of one to the point that it doesn't even make sense i mean the first 20 minutes are just this brutal thing that ends up being a dream and none of that even mattered which just contributes to the fact that most of the movie is fat. There's not much there that really matters until the very end. And it's this for me is a total failure. Awful. And, and Mike, I don't even know which version I saw because in the States, you can't even rent this film. The only way to get it is to buy it. And we just, uh, Alex and I bought the only version that there was on Amazon. So I don't know which one that was, but... It was terrible. I know that. Yeah, it's I, I can't I can't defend this one. I, it's it just doesn't work. And, and Rob Zombie didn't want to do it in the first place. They had other ideas. Then he kind of said, you know, I've, I've started this thing. I want to be the one that finishes it. And it, it none of it works, honestly. Yeah, that's a that's a shame. It does have Octavia Spencer hilariously in it. Yeah, it, it also has a sort of bit part by Margot Kidder, who I love so, so much. Uh, and Chris Hardwick, who does the Talking Dead show, is also in there and that's kind of a funny right. role. That's right. And Weird, Weird Alice himself, that's pretty funny. So, they yeah, they have some nice little cameos, whatnot, but just a fucking terrible movie. This is one of the worst ones as well. Um it's one where I would say like I like the idea that we're going to show you know the change in people because in most slashers even in sequels like this you mm-hmm. see the characters are basically all die in the next 20 minutes of every movie and we never really see how the events kind of have affected them. But I don't think any of it is really effective and and I don't necessarily understand at all why Lori suddenly wants to be a killer and then there's this like family curse almost which like calls into question why the first movie exists because is it the curse that turned him into the killer or is it the fucked up childhood that you spent 40 minutes on Mm -hmm. the the whole thing is really bizarre really really bizarre and yeah just you can skip this one let's let's talk about the most recent number 11 Bringing it back to the basics, this film only, only follows one. So it's a direct sequel to the original film. Came out in 2018, 40 years after the original. And this film takes place in the movie 40 years after the original. Um, Michael is not Laurie's brother anymore because this only follows the plot line of one. So... He was arrested following the killing spree in 1978. He spent 40 years back at Smith's Grove Sanitarium. Um, and Loomis, you know, has died and passed on. And 
Anyways, Lori's alive and well, although she, we see the effects that what happened that night has had on her. Her daughter is played by Judy Greer, who has a daughter herself, and that's sort of the the main tie to Lori is that her granddaughter does still want her in her life. Judy Greer has sort of tried to move on from Lori just because she had a bit of a traumatic childhood where Lori would try to prepare her for if Michael ever came back, teaching her how to shoot guns, teaching her how to, you know, defend herself and but it but in pretty intense ways. And so anyways, Michael, of course, he escapes when he's getting transferred. Um, there's also like these two reporters that are like doing a story podcasters podcasters i'm sorry yes podcasters just like us um except we would not be so stupid to do a story on michael myers oh wait um anyways they go to visit michael at the at the sanitarium they go visit Lori. they of course are killed but um which in 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 a scene that i have to say is a little bit it pisses me off because the girl easily could have escaped, but she doesn't. Anyway, oh, I fucking love that scene. Oh, I love it too. But it just kills me that she could escape. Like, yeah, it's tough. Ah, uh, but anywho. Um. By the way, his mask in this is fucking creepy as shit. It's they they've got it back down on point in my opinion, and so he escapes. He makes his way back back to uh, Haddonfield, and shit hits the fucking fan. He starts killing people. He wants to find Lori. Um, they end up, her house is like all fucking set up for his return. Eventually has all these, has like a secret, like underground under the kitchen lair that, you know, they can hide in if need be. Um, she has like doors that come down to pretty much seal off rooms once she's checked them. But anyways, it all climaxes at Lori's house. Uh, Judy Greer and uh, her daughter, Allison, so Lori's granddaughter, they end up making their way over there. Um, they end up trapping Michael after a lot of shit, which it's pretty epic. Like, like Lori's just fucking hunting him down. It's like they're hunting each other. But they end up getting him down into the like little room under the kitchen these like knives and bars come across and trap him down there they put on gas all through the house you know he apparently goes down in flames but of course we know there's two more coming so michael ain't dead uh but man i'm gonna just start with this one it is fantastic, in my opinion. It's such a good job so many years after the original. I really feel like they brought on the right people for this one. And keep in mind, this is the first one John Carpenter has been involved with and has signed off on since the third one. And it's di- it's directed by David Gordon Green, who has done, you know, he, him and Danny McGinn, it's written by him 
Danny McBride and one other guy. But, you know, if you know David Gordon Green, he has been involved. Him and Danny McBride do a lot together. They've done Eastbound and Down, Vice Principals, Righteous Gemstones. He actually also directed episodes of Red Oaks, which is one of the shows I shouted out in our top underrated TV shows episode. Um, but yeah, he's also directed Pineapple Express, Your Highness, The Sitter. So he works with that crew. The, you know, um, he works with Danny McBride. He's worked with, uh, you know, Franco, Jonah Hill, th- all those guys, sort of a little bit in the Apatow world. But you'd think, oh, these guys taking on the horror film, they're usually comedy guys. They fucking kill it. Um, Carpenter does the score and they really just hit the notes, man, for me. Like they bring back some of the suspense in this one. They have really inventive and like interesting kills. They have some good characters. Jamie Lee is in top form in this. And Michael to me is as creepy as ever. I just, I, well done all around. I tip my cap to everyone that had a hand in making this and Nick Castle, at least for a scene, reprises his role as Michael Myers. Yeah, I think this movie, I I kind of switch with the first Rob Zombie movie. I think I see in that movie what people see in this, whereas this one, I see something that doesn't have as much to say as people are acting like and falls into a ton of the same tropes from the other sequels that I hate. I, I mean, there are some, I do think the gas station bathroom scene is awesome. And there are a few, this is definitely up there with scariest Michaels out there. So he does have some effective, uh, effective moments, let's say in terms of his killing, but it it's, I mean, it's 30 minutes until you get to any real scare. And I don't know if there's much tension after that. It's mostly just kind of kills similar to the Rob zombie way. I, I, again, I appreciate what they're doing in terms of showing the trauma and sort of the, the generational nature of that, though they already kind of showed that in, uh, well, the movie we just talked about, Halloween 2, and also H2O. They've kind of explored that angle. I agree that Jamie Lynn is good. She's very good in the movie, though I don't think anyone in her family is likable at all. I mean, I don't like any of those characters, the hey, three women. Hey, it's Jamie Lee. Excuse me. We're not talking about Jamie sorry. Lynn Stigler from fucking Odd Sorry, sorry, Jamie. Oh, my God. That, <laughs> my, my brain is... It's 2.33 in the morning. <laughs> uh, thank you for that correction. Yeah, but I don't think anyone in her family is super likable, to be honest. I don't think... I'm not sure this is a great script overall. I think the dialogue's pretty bad. Cinematography is okay, but there's nothing sort of amazing about it I, I have trouble getting over the fact that michael is 60 i don't understand like how he like he just has sciatica and he shouldn't be able to move it's it's very bizarre and then the 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 end just i mean there, there's again there's all these things where you know he comes out of nowhere and does all these things that don't make any logical sense uh that we give a pass because it's a horror movie which is fine and then at the end they have every opportunity to just shoot him in the face but they don't. And like the grand plan is to burn the entire fucking house down to like kill him. I, 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 it just doesn't, I mean, it's fine. Again, this is also a competent film. 
which makes it top five because there's so many other bad ones. But I think people are, are, yeah, much too quick to sort of anoint this as the best sequel because uh, they like a lot of the people that are involved, I suppose. I completely disagree. I'm one of those people. And I think it's fantastic. I, I, the only thing I'll give you is it. There are a lot of kills and it's lighter on suspense than the first one, but I think it's the most effective since the first one. I think a lot of people think that, you know, that's, that's a totally normal take. I just, I'm going to die on the Rob Zombie Hill. Die on it, baby. And I will say one thing I want to say about this, and then let's move on to some top five lists, is when they shot this, Danny McBride is so scared of Michael that he could not go anywhere on set near Michael Myers. And when the actor who plays him for the majority of the film, outside of that, the scene that uh, Nick Castle's in, when he showed up to Tet, test the character to test michael's mask out mcbride could not go and meet him because he was too terrified that's i mean that's the effect all from halloween one because there hasn't been anything scary since really (laughs) well the rob zombie versions are but apparently i'm the only one that likes this so all right well we've gone through all 11 of these fucking films we've got two more coming we have halloween kills coming out in uh 2021 and we have the final well it's never final as we know but halloween ends the end of that new trilogy at least coming out 2022 so looking forward to those anyways we got two top five lists coming we're gonna give you first we're gonna give you our top five death scenes our top five michael slayings is Mike said earlier, and then we're going to rank our top five from the series. So Mike, I'm going to start out on this, on the deaths. Hit me. So my number five is from Halloween five, the revenge of Michael Myers. And it is the scene where they're the two characters spits and Samantha. And they, at this party, decide to go into this barn to have sex. And it's just, for me, a a relatively tense scene compared to a lot of stuff in the sequels and especially in four through six. And Spitz ends up getting stabbed through the back with a pitchfork. And then then (laughs) ridiculously, after he's dead... Samantha is like slashed with a um how do you say it like a scythe a scythe a scythe yeah. yeah and it's just outrageous i mean for me the reason i put it on my list when i think of 4 through 6 or really just any of the sequels it's one of the kills that jumps out in my mind so i had to include it and i, I hate i like i want to like that one so much but I can't stand that when he stabs the guy with the pitchfork, it goes through him, and then immediately in the next shot, it's suddenly not through him anymore. And the girl was supposed to get scythed right in the forehead, and they had to cut that because 
it was going to get them an NC-17 rating. So then they had backed off of it. Oh, shit. I didn't that. know that. That's unfortunate. Sorry. God damn it. All right. Probably give me your five. continues to disappoint. Um, my number five is one that most people hate, which is in the first Rob Zombie Halloween, the death of our man, Danny Trejo, which is maybe the most mean-spirited death of the entire franchise because the entire time we're led to believe that Danny Trejo is his friend, not his friend, but like he's been nice to him. You know, he keeps the other guards sort of from picking on him um, when he's in the sanitarium. He's sort of the only guy that cares. And this version of Michael Myers doesn't give a fuck. And what I like about this is that in Halloween 2, they have an opportunity for Michael to drown this girl. And instead she gets like, scalded by some lukewarm water and in this one he drowns the fuck out of danny trejo only to sort of let him up at the very last minute and smash his fucking head with a tv and it's just this is the version of michael myers where we know he likes nobody he gives no fucks and he's about to go on a rampage yeah it's uh that is a brutal one i remember that one hurt not only because we both love Danny Trejo, but because he really didn't deserve it. He was always nice to Michael. Um, that's a good pick. Number four for me is from the latest installment, the Halloween 2018. And it is of the, when the character Vicky gets killed. And it's not well, necessarily. I love her character, Vicky. She's another one that like has actually a real character. Me too. I think she's arguably she's one of my. If I had to pick a top five characters from the series, she would be in my top five. Agreed. Um, she's great. Yeah, she's someone that you that you like. Um, she has a little cute relationship with Julian, the kid that she's babysitting. And the reason I picked this death isn't necessarily because it's one of the most brutal and like epic of Michael's. It's because I love how it all comes to be. Julian says, you know, he saw the boogeyman in his closet. Vicky goes to check. Um, there's a lot of tension because her, her like boyfriend or hookup, Dave, he like goes out into the garage and is like sitting on this motorcycle. And there's like a lot of tension building she goes upstairs to check for Julian and ends up sort of like fucking with him and being like, Oh, it's, you know, whatever the boogeyman. She ends up going, he says, Oh, can you close my closet door? She goes up, tries to close the closet. It won't close, opens it up. And Michael's just there. And it's just one of my favorite, like jump, jump moments from the whole series. And then unfortunately she gets stabbed. She ends up dying Dave's death that follows right after is fucking brutal. And it's similar to the first film actually and Bob's death in that they both get sort of pinned to the wall, but he literally gets impaled through the back of his neck with, with Michael's knife and then pinned to the living room wall in this. Um, I know that's sort of cheating again, two deaths, but the Vicky one is the one I'm really shouting out, but I just love that whole scene. I think it's fantastic. And and how he got in the closet, we'll never know, and never I'll know. be the only one that cares, apparently. Um, all right, well, my number four is also from that movie. And it's the gas station bathroom scene. And specifically, if I have to pick one death, it's the male podcaster who 
you pretty much hate. You don't get that much screen time, but you know you're supposed to hate this guy. And I like this version of the unarmed Michael Myers, where he just takes this guy's face and smashes the fuck out of it. And he's dead. And then he kills a girl too. But I I think that's another one that's like, oh shit. My man is coming in this movie and he's bringing heat. Yeah, that's that's a good one. How I can't how could I how could I say anything bad about that? Um All right. My number 3 is from Halloween 2. Um and it is Karen Bailey's death. Which do you remember this one, Mike? This is the hot uh, tub. Oh, so that's the one that I hate. You hate this one? Yeah, because the water is only at like 120 degrees or something. I don't understand how it scalds her. 120, bro. 104 is what hot tubs are typically at. So, but you still... True, true, true. Fine, fine. Tell me. Anywho, go tell me. So Halloween 2, not my favorite film by any means. But again, this was one... I honestly could have maybe switched it with my number four, but it was very memorable to me. And that's why I put it out. But is involved in this scene. Anyways, Karen's one of the nurses at the hospital. She takes a break. Her and Bud are going to go in this hot tub. Um, They start canoodling. Bud ends up going to the other room to get something. And of course, while he's there, Karen is faced the other way. Michael kills him comes out to the hot tub, puts his hand on Karen's shoulder, and she thinks it's Bud, so she starts, like, licking his fingers and stuff. It's fucking disgusting. And eventually she turns around to her horror. It's Michael. He starts shoving her face into the hot tub. It ends up, like, sort of boiling her face until the point where it kills her. And, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's sort of almost campy to a degree, but, like, it's very memorable to me. Like when I think back, when I just sat down at first, and I was like, all right, let's think about deaths. I immediately, this one came to mind. So I feel like I had to include it in my list. You, you are right that the leading up to it is gross. And I like that. I just, I don't know, maybe I'm old fashioned. I just wish you just sort of drowned her in there. And then I, it wasn't scalding thing that didn't work for me, but. Okay. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, uh, also great use of canoodling. So <laughs> my, num- my number three is from Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which has nothing to do with witches at all. And that is where, you know, we didn't mention it because it's very minor, but Tom Atkins has a bit of a sidekick um, who's doing like back at the lab and she is doing like an investigation into the Android that blew himself up in the very beginning. And she eventually comes to the conclusion that it must've been an Android cause you can't find any like human matter, so to speak. Um, and Oh, she, she may be able to, you know, alert Tom and save the day, but, but no, an Android walks in and just takes a drill and drills the fuck out of her, which I'm a huge fan of the cult classic Driller Killer by Abel Ferreira. And it's just it's just such a great throwback. Love the drill scene. And Halloween three in general. Okay. Okay. He's a he's a Halloween three guy, people. Um 
my number two is from the OG Halloween, and it's Linda Vanderclock. And after, so any, you know, she she is dating Bob. They hook up. He goes down to get them beers. Michael kills Bob downstairs. Anyways, all of a sudden, this person, Michael, although unbeknownst to Linda, shows up in the doorway wearing, dressed as a ghost. He's got Bob's glasses on over the white sheet. Linda thinks it's just Bob being silly. And she's like, you know, give me my beer. Give me my beer. Um, She eventually gets a little uneasy because he's just standing there. But it's this long sort of a bit long drawn out scene. She eventually is like, fuck this, calls Lori. And as it's ringing and just as Lori picks up, Michael strangles her with the phone cord. And Lori hilariously thinks it's Linda just having sex. She's actually being murdered. But it's just an iconic scene from the original. I, I, I had to had to drop it in there. Uh, yeah, I, I have some commentary, but I have to save it because it's later on my list. Ooh, wow. So my number two is from The Curse of Michael Myers, number six, a movie we hate. Holy but shit. This is after, okay, so there's the Strode family, which isn't the real Strode family. We talked about it. The mom has been killed already. The dad comes home. No one's around because they're trying to figure out the mystery of the curse thing. Uh, he goes into the basement and you know he discovers that his wife's been killed. And then, of course, Michael appears. Michael electrocutes the dad until he explodes. I've seen online some people say that it's just his head that explodes. Maybe it's just his head. Maybe it's his whole body. I don't care. He's a dick. He explodes. I almost want to say it's the best. I'll leave it here too. The only saving grace of the entire film. Not enough for you to watch it. It's terrible, but love the death. It is a great death because he just deserves it so fucking badly. Yes, he does. Wow. Okay. Well. My number one is from the latest Halloween from 2018, and it is Oscar, Allison's friend, who tries to get her while they're walking home from the dance. Um, And then she leaves him. She's a little bit pissed off. And when she leaves him, they had been crossing, sort of taking a shortcut, crossing through someone's yard. This guy, this guy mr elrod who owns the property apparently so oscar's a little bit drunk he's sort of sitting there like fuck what did i just do and he sees michael a ways away in the yard and he thinks it's mr elrod because he's drunk he can't really see straight so he's like oh sorry you know i'm gonna get off your property and there's this motion sensor light that is going on and off in the yard and so pretty much this guy is obviously michael's not speaking back to him and oscar's sort of rambling the light goes off turns back on michael's a little bit closer oscar's a little bit confused light goes off turns back on michael's right there 
fucking stabs him. Oscar tries to run. He's screaming, runs to the fence, and Michael impales him on the fence as Allison has just finally run back and sees what just happened. Um, Just an incredible death scene, in my opinion. It's so effective with the motion sensor light and creative. Um, It, the second I saw it, when I, when I, I saw the new one in theaters, the whole like theater sort of went nuts about this one and was like, holy fuck. And I think everyone was just like, that was fucking terrifying. And you could, again, if you could see that potentially happening in real life, drunk kid stumbling, doesn't, doesn't really realize it's some, someone weird. All of a sudden the guy's just right in front of him. I mean, it, it fucking terrifying. I think it's, I think it's the best, the best Michael slang in Halloween's. Wow. It is effective. I do like that one. I like the idea of the motion sensor. It's not one of my tops, but I, I think it's one of the most effective move parts of the newest movie. And my my number one is not a hot take at all, but I can't get over how good it is. It's been one of my favorite deaths, really, in any movie for a long time. Just before my man Michael kills Linda in Halloween 1, kills Bob. Fucking Bob. Chokes him with one hand, lifts him up, takes his knife, stabs him. Knife goes into the wall, just leaves him hanging. Wow. And then I I don't know. I honestly don't even know where you draw the line for it because where he goes and he puts on the sheet with his glasses, as you said, after that image repeated in Halloween, Rob Zombie version is just so iconic and awesome and super fucking scary. It really is. It's it's iconic. Into Linda, see anything you like. One of the most classic Halloween lines. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's so good. It's so good. And now Lin- I'm like, fuck, I didn't put that one on. Linda Death is, is number six for me. So, I mean, the two of them are amazing. Yeah. Both very, very good. Um, yeah, I probably honestly maybe would have included both, but I wanted to try to vary it up a little bit between the films. I hear you. Um, The only other shout out I'll give is in four, there's a moment where Michael stabs this guy with a shotgun when you assume he might shoot him. And then he, it's like very reminiscent of my number one. uh, Oh, yes. Yes. I, I, I know that exact one. Um, those are our top five Michael slangs people. And so now we'll, we'll give you each of our, top five of the series lists. Mike, I'm going to let you start this one off. My number five is a movie you hate, which is Halloween four. Wow. Uh, I, my, my number six for what it's worth would be H2O. And I see these movies as very, God, very floss your mind, very close, but I went with four. I just think it's, it's, it's much maligned for, for no reason. Yes, it's ridiculous, but in terms of the ridiculous 80s slasher, a lot of deaths, very tight. I never get bored. I see some of the wrinkles um, as interesting. Maybe they don't end up in the best place, but I like the idea of the lynch mob. Um, 
I, I think, you know, we get another new sort of final girl type character that's interesting. We get the whole Jamie storyline. I think the ending, while batshit, is awesome. And it's, I think, I think overall it's pretty good. Okay. I think you're out of your fucking mind that you would put it over H2O. But it's close. Very close. You, uh, you're entitled to your opinion. And my number five is Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. That, um, is that is a hot take. And you know what? It's not a great movie at all. But unfortunately, a lot of these films aren't great movies. And when picking between them, at least this one, I can say the beginning is this outrageous hermit scene that makes me laugh. It's got the great death scene in the barn. And that's really all it has going for it. But that's enough for it to be number five on my list. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm almost, I'm surprised. All right. My number four, you're going to hate this. So my number four is the most recent Halloween 2018. Okay. I'm, I'm conflicted here because there are some truly great sequences here. I mentioned how much I love the, the bathroom scene. The one you mentioned is great. Uh, I just think there's a lot of other problems that 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 take away from it somewhat. But again, it's top four. I'm glad that they made it, and I'm I'm curious to see where where we go from here. Okay, okay. My number four is also a film I don't think's great. But again, in the grand scheme, when I stack them all up against each other, I really don't have a choice. So number four for me is Halloween too. Um. Again, there's a lot I don't like about it, but it has some ver- some memorable death scenes. It lives in the world of the first one, at least. And that's all I have positive to say about it. It's just, to me, a lot. I don't like the Rob Zombie ones. I don't like, for the most part, four through six. And I think Resurrection's absolute trash. And there's just no way, even though it might be on Mike's list, maybe there's no way three is getting on my list. So, well, great segue, great fucking segue, because my <laughs> number three is three. Season oh my of the God, unbelievable! I, I, I do think it. it's a bit overrated in sort of the cult horror community, a bit, but it's just so crazy. I would have liked the idea of an anthology. This is, you know. What I'll say about my second choice is double for this one, which is it is by far the most sort of unique movie since number one. Totally different vision, totally different idea. And yeah, it's crazy and campy, but it's a it's a good time. Halloween three. Hey, I want to I told you I want I do want to rewatch it. I do want to rewatch it. I still can't, in any good conscience, put it in my top five when there's no Michael Myers. But there you go. I'll let you have it. My number three, Halloween H2O, 20 years later. I mean, it's great. It's it's more of a slasher in the Scream vein, more of a slasher like the original Halloween than most of the Halloweens. And it's got a great little cast. Got a great little plot. It's the return of Jamie Lee. I think it's a good movie. And one of the one of only three movies in the series that I consider good movies. So that's my number three. Well, my number two, I'm ready to continue dying on this hill. 
I'm ready to embrace the criticism. It's Rob Zombie's Halloween. We've said it to death. Say what you will. At least this movie takes place in reality. There's no teleporting into people's closets. At least, you know, it has its own vision and it it executes it. And for that, I really enjoy it. You know, again, compared to all the other ones, is it 9 out of 10? No, of course it's not. But it does happen to be the second best. Wow. Well, everyone, please, please let us know if you agree or disagree with that, because we all know where I stand. My number two, the only number two in my eyes, is the latest Halloween from 2018. And I mean, I've already said it in when we talked about the film. I think it's the best one since the first one. And it's a very effective horror film. It's not on the same level as the first one, but it is the most, to me, most exciting, most effective since. Which means we, there there only ever was going to be one. Pretty clearly. I mean, basically, all of this shit that we've laid out to you, there's been a few good ones, there's been a lot of bad ones, and we put up with all of it. And they're still making them because this one movie is so fucking strong still to this day. To this day. It it could come out today and be just as scary, just as effective, just as haunting. The score is forever, you know, cement, it's forever cemented its place in film history. And it's insane to think John Carpenter came up with it in under an hour. It's just it's so fucking good and it created this character michael myers that has become you know synonymous with the holiday halloween everyone knows who michael is everyone knows what the mask looks like and it'll be a part of film history for that reason forever well well said and and for what it's worth basically all the ones i haven't mentioned to resurrection Rob Zombie 2, 5, and 6, for me, are all horrible. And I've ranked them, but the distinctions are so small because they're all just terrible. Yeah, they're they're awful. What If you had to pick one as your worst, what would you pick? Five. I think five is the worst. Wow. I think if gun to my head, I think I'd say eight. Resurrection. Okay. I, yeah, like I said, I at least like the idea of a, even though they executed it terribly, mm. which is, which in this ranking is sadly enough to put it like above several other movies. Jesus just having it, an idea, just oh. having an idea. Well, we can both agree that unfortunately most of the films in this franchise are trash. Yes, they are. Um, anyways, gents, ladies, it's been fun. It's been a long fucking one today. We just got through 11 films. Funny enough, though, not one of not one of our longest episodes, but it's late as fuck for Mike. We're going to sign off here. Hey, if you want to find us, if you want to talk to us, you want to share your thoughts, Instagram, find us at Top Fives and Deep Dives. Email Top Fives and Deep Dives at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter at Top Dives. So share your thoughts. Tell us which ones you think are good. 
just let us know and we're gonna we're gonna sign off right here and let you hear the sweet sweet sounds of zachary wexelman's voice real topeka people we're gonna replay the intro for you and it's full glory right here so we'll see you guys next week we love you peace out love you buddy i'll talk to you soon bye top fives and deep dives with town of ptm top fives and deep dives with town of ptm top fives and deep dives with town of ptm top fives and deep dives with town of ptm Quainton Taran Toe